The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We're two girls obsessed with one thing, beauty. beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We're calling on our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. With a drink in hand. Definitely with a drink in hand. <laughs> You're listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims. actually had such good therapists on this podcast. I mean, there've been some, honestly, with some of my favorite episodes. I actually love that we go there too, because it's the unexpected from us. And they are truly like, you kind of dig deep and it's nice. Here at Lipstick on the Room, we're going to dig deep. We're going to dig deep today. We're going to be talking about navigating friendships and the toxic friend. Today, we have someone really special. I'm super excited. Emisha and I are super excited. We have the one and only Lori Gottlieb. She is hands down one of the most prolific therapists in the United States. And if you haven't read her book, maybe you should talk to someone. Stop everything you're doing right now. Well, don't because you need to listen to this podcast. But go order the book after you listen to this podcast and you will not be able to put it down. She's also the host of the popular podcast, Dear Therapist, and has her own column, by the same name in the Atlantic, which Lori, I literally read every week. I read about the mother-in-law. I read about somebody dying, how they handled the husband leaving. You are so, you write so well. You give such a good advice. And her book is actually about her interviewing her therapist, which is really frightful, but amazing. Anyway, Lori Gottlieb, we're really happy to have you here. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Okay. So I know the world is completely upside down and we want to go into like navigating friendships and the toxicity of sometimes of those friendships, but we kind of want to take it just a little bit back. So our listeners kind of know who you are, if they don't already know who you are, how did you become you? (laughs) You know, I took probably the most circuitous, strange, random route to becoming a therapist. I started off actually, I always loved stories and I loved human stories. And so I started working in um, Hollywood. So I worked in the film business and then I moved over to NBC and I was a network executive. And one of the shows that I was assigned to when I got to NBC was ER. Mm. And the other one was this little show called Friends. But with ER, you know, it was it was very true to life. And so we had a consultant who was an actual ER doc. And I was sent to go to the ER to kind of, you know, do research in the ER with him. And he kept saying to me, you know, I think you like it better here than you like your day job. (laughs) I did. And so I like the real stories. I thought there was something so human about people coming in. You're, you know, obviously when you come to an ER, you're not expecting to be there. And a lot of people's lives really change. And so I ended up going to medical school and I ended up becoming a writer. And through all of this, I ended up becoming a therapist. And I feel like I have this really interesting view of the world of, you know, somebody who really likes stories, but I like the real stories. And I kind of view doing therapy as people editing their stories and getting rid of these faulty narratives that we're carrying around. 
Speaking of faulty narratives. Okay, so I got inspired by one of your articles. It's from The Atlantic, which she has her column. And it's called, Dear Therapist, I've Been Dumped by My Friends. This article is specifically geared towards friendships drifting apart and the perception of being closer to someone than you actually might be. We're really fascinated by this idea of having friends at different moments in time, but also navigating you know, how those friendships change. And Emisha and I, we have known each other for 20 plus years. So we, I think it's, yeah, the, 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 the notion that, I mean, when you think about it, we've, we've, we've actually talked about this before. We as people change and we, as think about like the relationships that we've been in since like, you know, whenever you started dating and you normally will have this conversation with a boyfriend, you're like, eh, this isn't working out anymore. Like we're, we're done. But with friendships, there's this like, you don't really have that conversation because we do change as people. We do evolve. And maybe the friend that we had when we were 22, we don't have that much in common with anymore when we're 32. And so you kind of feel this awkwardness of still trying to be friends. But instead of having a conversation, you just kind of stop talking yeah. to them. Or even like acknowledging that you don't really want to be as close as you used to be, or you're at different time. Will you just speak? I mean, you can start large and then we can go a little bit macro and a little bit micro, but you know, I have lived, uh, I'm like a cat. I've had a million different lives. I'm originally from Kentucky. I lived in New York, Europe for seven years, back to New York, back to LA. So on, I recently had a 50th birthday, 40th, but it's fine. Who's counting? And it was interesting because one of my friends were like, what? you have this many friends? And I was like, well, yeah, I, I've, I've gathered these people who've had, you know, a profound effect on my life throughout my life. But it was so funny how different people see different things. So let's start with friendships. We need your help as aging women. Tell us what to do, how to do it. Well, I, I think for women, especially friendships are so important. And I think that the reason that they become so fraught for us in terms of what do we do and what do we do if we don't feel as close to somebody or what do we do if we're changing or what do we do if we feel hurt by a friend and do we bring it up or do we not bring it up or we feel left out? It's because friendships can be really, really intimate for women. And, mm -hmm. and I think that sometimes we have this idea that you either are kind of all in or all out, meaning because we get so close to our friends. So it's either this is this is this person that I can tell everything to and I feel really close to them. And we don't really think about the value of different people having different roles in our lives. So just because you don't feel as close to someone, but you still appreciate something about the interaction with them, that might be a good friend to have. It just means that the, the nature of the relationship has changed, but that's okay. And maybe it's still valuable to both of you. And I do think things change. I'm really bad at setting up boundaries. I'm just like a bad boundary settle. I'll just, I'm like a people pleaser. I'm gotten better, but I'll just take something and take something. And then one day I'll wake up and then it's done for me. Like it's, it's a terrible thing. I'm in therapy over it. Don't worry. But when I start to set those boundaries, people don't like it. What's an example of that? So, you know, like I'll, I'll, she feels like the, here, so I'll give, I'll, I can broad strokes. So yeah. Molly is someone that has always been the planner in our group, right? So she is the one that hosts. She's the one that plans. She's the one that, you know, 
I don't live on the West Coast, but I know like, oh, there's Sunday football. Like everybody come to my house, I'll host. And if she doesn't, it's like people just expect it of her. And so she's finally put the boundaries up being like, I'm not the only person that needs to be the person planning things. Other people can do things. So I think she has finally put her foot down on not being the only person that does things always for everyone. And sometimes people don't know how to react to that. Or they, they think I'm doing, or they think I'm actually doing things behind their back, which I'm not. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm like a celebrity cruise director, and like I'm. I don't know. Sometimes I want the cruise to be over. I don't. I don't want it to go to dock this weekend. Like I just, I have three kids. I had some. You know, I had a very difficult personally year last year, and I don't know. I kind of just. I almost had to reset, and I think it's been a little bit difficult. But we're also just getting older and more tired, too. I know. Like, we don't want the same things as we did. Exactly. But I think that, I think friendships sometimes don't know how to handle change and people th- take it personally when it's not personal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that change is what's so important to consider when we're thinking about friendships because, you know, like in the Atlantic piece that you were mentioning, they were, this was a, a group of women who had been friends for a long time and they had been childhood friends and then they stayed friends even after high school and college. And and then they were getting married and different things were happening. And one of them was not invited to one of their weddings. And this person lived in a different city and wasn't as close to the other two, but thought she was. And I think that that can be tricky that, you know, the nature of the relationship had changed. And she said, you know, my friends dumped me. That was her interpretation of it. Even though every time she comes to town, they still get together with her. They still like her. They're still friends with her. She just wasn't invited to this one of the friend's weddings. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes weddings are smaller. Sometimes you don't feel as close to people anymore. There's all kinds of reasons, but it's not binary. It's not like you're not my friend anymore. It's that we don't have that closeness. You live somewhere else. We haven't stayed in touch in the same way. Even though you try to stay in touch, my life is is busy, but I still like you and I still value you and you're still my friend. And it was hard for her to understand that both of those things could be true, that we don't necessarily have that kind of super closeness, but I still want you to be my friend. I'm not sending you some kind of signal that I don't want you to be my friend. So I think that we need to allow that flexibility for friendships to change. And by the way, just because that's what the friendship looks like now doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. So sometimes people kind of drift apart at different times and then they come back together. And I think those are the really important friendships where you have the flexibility to say, at this moment, we aren't as in touch or we aren't as close. And then at another moment, we might be or we might not be. But what we have is really important to us. We're a month out from Valentine's Day. You ever feel like our lives completely revolve around our holidays? I know, it's weird. Not saying it's such a bad thing. I'm just saying. Anyway, with Valentine's Day somehow soon approaching, I thought I'd give you guys a little shout out, a little tip of a new jewelry brand that I have been absolutely obsessed with lately. It's called Heart. I talked about it a few weeks ago. It's led by sisters. If that isn't already the sweetest thing. They're known for creating totally custom charm jewelry that is luxurious, unique, and long-lasting. Think modern heirlooms, but at a much better price point. We all know jewelry is so personal and sentimental and can be very powerful. I loved the experience of building my own necklace. Thank you, heart. All you do is choose your chain, choose your charms, and tell your story. 
Each of their 50 charms are embedded with meaning that act as wearable reminders of your intentions and values. From motherhood to luck, manifestation zodiacs, to letters to numbers, there are so many fun options to choose from. Their charms are plated with 100% recycled gold right here in the USA, using the most environmental friendly process possible. Their special HGE gold plating process means the jewelry resists tarnishing for years, even decades, with proper care. You can design your bracelet or your necklace on their website with their drag and drop tool. It's really easy and simple. But if you want to book a complimentary virtual styling appointment to help you, that's always a good way to go as well. You guys can visit shopheart.com and use code LIPSTICK10 at checkout for 10% off your first purchase. You guys are going to get free shipping over $100. That's shop, S-H-O-P-H-A-R-T.com and use code LIPSTICK10 for 10% off your first order. Heart rarely ever discounts their custom jewelry. So this is a very exclusive offer to our listeners. And you guys can follow them. Check out all their styles at shop heart, H-A-R-T on Instagram and TikTok. I'm telling you, you guys are going to love it. DM me, show me what you made. Hair loss affects over 80 million Americans. Can you believe that? In fact, it's so common that by 35, two thirds of men will experience some form of hair loss. And it's not just men. 40% of Americans who experience hair loss are women. I've shared this before, but I experienced major hair thinning when I gave birth to Brooks and my hair really hasn't been the same since but I've definitely gotten it back to a better place thanks to brands like Divi. Divi is good for those with hair shedding or thinning due to stress, postpartum, menopause, premenopause, or any medical-related conditions. It is also good for scalps. With a lot of product or oil buildup, anyone dealing with dry scalp or those who wear tight hairstyles or extensions, I'm definitely guilty of the last. Lastly, if you're someone who is just looking to start a healthy scalp routine, I highly recommend Divi. It all started when lifestyle blogger Danny Austin went through an emotional hair loss journey. She took it upon herself to really dive into all the things hair and scalp health. It kind of changed her life. Their first product was their scalp serum that improves the appearance of breakage, nourishes hair follicles, and removes product and oil buildup. Some of their key ingredients are copper, tripeptide, caffeine, tea tree oil, amino acids, hyaluronic acid, which as we know is great for the skin, all work together to facilitate healthier, fuller hair and hydrated, cleaner scalp. Do you want to take back control of your hair and scalp health or do it with clean, science-backed ingredients? You guys, we have a very special offer for the Lipstick on the Rim audience. Go to diviofficial.com slash lipstick. Enter lipstick at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's diviofficial.com, D-I-V-I, official.com slash lipstick for 20% off your first order. This is Gracie Norton from the Wellness Her Way podcast, the ultimate sanctuary for a welcoming approach to wellness. It seems like every day there's a new food we're not supposed to eat, a new cleanse to take part in, or a new workout that claims to give us a flat stomach within a week. Rather than hopping on trends, we're going back to the roots of wellness and making a home of our body, mind, and soul. If you're seeking physical growth, emotional abundance, or simply a more fulfilling life, tune in to the Wellness Her Way podcast on November 6th. Get ready to embrace your body through all its forms and get back to the roots of wellness. To me, I always say that the the friendships you have, like there's different pockets of friendships. Like I have a girlfriend, Kate, who I've known for over 20 years as well, 22 years now. And I cannot talk to her for six months, for a year. And I pick up the phone 
And it is like not a minute has passed. You know, when I was here last time in LA, I went and had dinner with her. And it was like, that's like the beauty of certain friendships is that you don't need to check in. You don't need to talk all the time, but you literally just can pick up right where you left off. And I think that there's those types of friendships, right? To me, the hardest part of friendships truly has been in my 40s. You know, to me, I cherish my family time. I cherish my quiet time. I am not, I don't really talk on the phone except with Molly. I am not a person that's got a lot of free time on her hands. So if I do, it really has to be with someone that I want to spend time with. And so then you kind of find yourself, it feels really daunting sometimes because I also moved to a new town and then I had to put effort into making new friends because you left the city, you I have the, the city. different world and now you're, you know. So I'm like, oh my God, like oh, there's a very, act. I, I mean, there are people more, more social in my town than they were in the city. It's just, it's a very interesting dynamic and I'm 45 years old and here I am like going, ooh, am I going to be invited to this party? Like, mm-hmm. oh, are they going out to dinner? Am I invited to this dinner? And I find myself going, oh my God, I didn't feel like this in high school. Like who did I become all of a sudden? So it's really, it's interesting. It's kind of like, it messes with your mind a little bit and I, I I know adults who seriously have FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. I think making friends, you know, in middle age is really challenging because you're meeting someone and they don't have all the history with you. Yeah. So you're meeting someone now, but they don't know, you know, people that you've known for a long time, like they probably, maybe they've met your parents or your siblings or your family, and they kind of have a context for you. And they remember the time that you had this horrible breakup. And they remember the time that this happened with this job or this thing or this, you know, apartment that you lived in or whatever it was. You have all these shared experiences and the shared history. And so coming in at middle age, it it feels different and it takes longer. It takes longer to really get to know someone at the same time that you probably don't have as much free time because you're dealing with family and kids and all the kind of things that happen in middle age where you're you have so many demands on your time. So it's it's really tricky. And a lot of people think it's just that. Like why am I having so much trouble? Like you were saying, especially if you move to a new city or you're in a new context. You know, why am I having so much trouble making friends? It's because it's much harder to make friends at middle age than it was in, you know, high school, college, your 20s. Yeah, because your time is really not there. Like, And I and I will say I had this thing for a while and I and I've met some wonderful friends and I, I have I have like my 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 few people. And, and again, like I always like to say, I heard this saying from actually a, a friend that I met in town. I'd rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies. You talk about the two-way street and friendships. Do you think it's important that both parties reach out to one another in a similar amount? Yeah. I think that that's what we all believe needs to happen, but actually some friendships work beautifully without that happening. Mm. And so I think, you know, especially I think as women, we read into the friendships a lot, but it's also just sort of uh, social niceties and they're not being insulting and they're not patronizing you. And I think that sometimes we just, because we want that closeness, I think that what we really want out of friendship ultimately is we want to be known. We want that feeling of this person gets me and mm. they love me anyway. This person gets me and they get all of me. And there are friendships that you have that are like that. And then there are going to be friendships that are just like, 
I love taking a walk with this person. It's it's so fun and it's light and we don't really get into it and that's fine, but it just it's such a stress relief and we laugh and I really need yeah. that. Or yeah, this is I a think... person that I can like vent about kids with, you know? Yeah. And you know whatever that is. So I don't think that that friendships have to be that you reach out in equal amount. I think in your closest friendships, you want to feel like the other person is equally invested, but it can look different. It doesn't mean that they're the ones to always initiate the phone call. It can mean that yeah, when you call them, that. Yeah. that you know that they're going to be there for you. I think loyalty to me, I, I, that's like where I always flush out is loyalty. And I know that's where Molly and I mm-hmm. both sit is I know I'm a good friend. I know what I bring to the table. And I think now at my age, having that confidence, it's like, you're lucky to be my friend. Like mm-hmm. I always have that feeling and that's not an arrogance. It's that I know that if I, if we become close, I know what I will, what our friendship means to me. And that's, we always talk about that. What, what do we say? The bank depositing. And- oh yeah. I always say like, I had a situation where it was kind of one of like the articles I, I, I read from you on a weekly basis, but one of my friends wasn't invited to my husband's birthday. And she was like, but I just thought I would be invited. I go, but you haven't reached out to me. You haven't deposited any money in the bank. You haven't even like called me. Like why in the world? And I don't, I've never been this blunt in my life. I'm like, why in the world would you even think that? And she was like, I know. And she was awesome. In the moment she was like, "Uh, you're right. I'm like, I'm obsessed with you, but I don't hear from you. I don't see you, but I, I wouldn't even have thought to invite you. And yeah. and what's great is that you guys were able to just have an honest conversation. So many people are afraid to do that because they think that it's going to hurt the friendship when actually it strengthens the friendship. You probably have more trust in each other now because you were able to be honest with her and she was able to hear it. And it's listen, so people true. go through really bad times in their life. Like I had a friendship who, you know, it didn't end well. But I knew at one point, it's kind of what you said in the beginning, I knew it would be back. It was just, this person was in a really bad place in her life. She had a lot of tragedy and death and she was really, was really difficult. And one phone call and she was back 10 years later, you know, it was great that she could, she felt comfortable enough to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, that, that instead of wondering, we can always ask our friends, you know, like, hey, what's going on? I haven't heard from you. And and hear what they have to say. Sometimes I think a lot of times when people are going through hard times, they don't reach out because they're they're embarrassed by what they're going through. They don't want to burden people. You know, there are all kinds of reasons. And just knowing that even if they don't want to get into the whole thing, just to say, I'm going through a really hard time. And for the other friends to say, like, I'm here for you. You let me know. I'll give you whatever space you want and just know that you can pick up the phone and call me anytime. When it starts feeling like an effort to reach out, what are suggestions for navigating that? Is that feeling, do you think the feeling is usually mutual? It's not always mutual, but I feel like you're not obligated to, you know, to do something that you don't want to do. I think the point of friendships is that they're, they're nurturing, they're, they're nourishing in your life. And so it's not like you you have to reach out to someone if you don't want to reach out to them. You know, they might say to you, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. And that's tricky 
because it, it depends what you want. Do you want to continue the friendship? Do you want to continue it in a different way? And a lot of times what people do is they just kind of gaslight them. They just say, oh, no, everything's fine. I've just been really busy. I haven't been able to reach out to you. And I think that's really unkind. Yeah. People think that that's the kind thing to do, but it's actually not. It's it's actually, you know, there are ways to say, it's, by the way, it's not like I don't like you. It's right now, you know, I haven't found that when we get together that that we're really connecting right now. and. So I, so I haven't reached out and that might hurt, but at the same time, it's better than gaslighting somebody. And then they always wonder, cause then they come to so therapy true. and they talk to me and they say, I don't know what's <laughs> going on with my friend. This is what she said, but I don't believe that. And it, it's like, it's like in a breakup, you're not even breaking up with the friend. Cause maybe you, you know, it's, I think people think when they have that conversation, they're never going to talk to that friend again. That's not necessarily true. It just means like, I'm not reach I haven't reached out when we've gotten together, you know, we haven't really connected, whatever it is that you can find maybe better words for that. But I think that we think of it almost like breakups. Like if there was somebody that you wanted to have a different kind of relationship with, you would tell them we just don't do it with our friends, which is weird because they're our friends. So, so we why, should be able to tell them. Why is it so easy to misperceive how close we are with someone? I think that sometimes when you've had a certain kind of relationship with someone, you just assume it's always going to be that way. And it's mm -hmm. hard to see that it's changing. And sometimes we don't want to see that it's changing. A great example of this is, is let's say that professionally you're going down different paths and you don't have as much to talk about anymore. And your sort of daily lives feel very different. You're kind of growing apart in that way. Or one of you gets married or has kids and one of you doesn't want kids or, you know, and so your, your lives just look very different. Mm -hmm. And they and, are very different. I mean, friends of mine who don't have kids, our lives are completely different. It's like she says, with school, you're with church, you're with work, you're with, like, you're so many pockets because of the two or three kids that you have. Now you're thrown into so many yeah. other, other situations. This happened recently to a friend of mine. Let's say you are excluded from something. Could be a dinner, could be a birthday, could be a wedding, like your, what the article. You're genuinely hurt by it. What is the best way to handle it? My friend asked me, do I say something or do I totally ignore it? I'm not going to give you my advice because I'm not a therapist and you'll think it's terrible, but how do you handle it? I'm really curious before I tell you what, what, what I think. What, is, what do you think? What is your advice that you think is terrible? Because it's probably not terrible. I said, fuck it. I said, don't say anything. Doesn't matter. Don't let it bother you. Pretend that it has, just move on. And then, you know, in six months, have a roaring fucking party and don't invite her. <laughs> okay, so that's one way to handle it. <laughs> like I said, don't no right, me. there's no right way. Um, but, not I, the best. but I do think that we need to trust the revenge tactic. each other <laughs> as long as we're operating with kindness and compassion. And I think that that is key. It doesn't really matter what message you give someone if it is delivered with kindness and compassion. 
And so the first thing is to understand why did it upset you so much that you weren't invited? What is that about? How much of that? We always like to say if it's hysterical, it's historical. And what I mean by that is that Mm. if you're having a really big reaction to something that maybe is sort of like a four or five, but to you, it feels like a 10, maybe there's some older feelings layered on top of that. So maybe you have a history of, you know, this happened to you before, or you've been left out of things, or you had that feeling in your family of not being included you know, is that informing the the level of your reaction? So of course it hurts to be left out of something, but why is it hurting that much? So that would be the question to really ask yourself. And then to say, okay, what part of it is sort of me and my history and what part of it is really about this? And maybe, you know, some of it is about this. And then to say, I wonder why I wasn't invited to this. Maybe you think, oh, you know, we haven't really been in touch in a while, or maybe we aren't that close, or or maybe I didn't invite her to this thing, or, you know, whatever reason it might be. But if it's really, really bothering you and you value the friendship, you can go in without any kind of accusation, but just going in with kind of love and kindness if you do care about this person. Because if you go in with anger, they're going to be really totally. defensive. Yeah. I agree. So if you go in and you just say, hey, I really care about our friendship. I don't want to put you on the spot. Whatever reason you have is fine with me. I tend to spin and ruminate. That's what I do. I own that. And I'm just curious. I was surprised not to be invited to this. Whatever reason you have is a-okay with me. I just want to know. It just helps me a lot. And I would really even feel closer to you if you were honest with me. Well, instead of being gaslit and be like, no, 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 we're friends. We're good. As opposed to be really saying the truth about we're not as close as you might think we are. Yeah. Right. And that might sting or hurt, but it, it's also the truth. But it's also the truth. And that's okay. You know, I think that's where it's, you know, I, someone said something to me, you know, in the last year that I thought was so interesting. And I, I really do like it. She was like, I have a five-year rule. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, when I meet someone, she goes, and I really like them. She goes, cool. But it's, it's, it takes five years. She was like, you really actually only get to know someone in five years. She was like, it's like peeling back the onion layers. She was like, you you get to the core. It's like five years later. And I was like, she's like, so tell me in five years if you still like the person. And I was like, huh. Okay, interesting. That's a good, that's good. I was like, okay, cool. I, I, and I and I do, because I, I remember my dad when I was a little girl, like swear to God, I would come home and be like, I met this girl and she was so sweet and she was so awesome and we're friends and we're like besties. And my dad would be like, okay, cool. Calm down. Like she's, I'm sure she's lovely, but like you don't know her yet and get to know her. And I'd always get easily excited about someone because I was just an outgoing child and I would make friends and we moved a bit when I was younger. And so that was the same advice he said to me. He was like, just get, it takes time. It takes time to get to know someone. And people do change too. Right. And I think that we somehow think that that doesn't apply to friendships, even though if you met someone in a dating context, and you were like, this person's perfect. I'm going to marry this person. People would say like, slow down. I love him. I love him. <laughs> and it does take time to get to know somebody, whether it's dating or friendship. We all need to kind of see who the other person is and see, let them see who we are and see who we are in relationship to the other person. And that's that applies to all relationships. I also think social media is so funny. Like I was talking to a girlfriend. And she was like, you can have such FOMO on social media because you're like, oh, wait, I saw that person's going out tonight. Like, what's she doing? Who's she going out with? And I'm like, oh, my God, that's like, it really is like people can get down a rabbit hole with it. And it's funny because the mentality at the end of the day is, A, I don't want to go out all the time. And B, you can't invite everyone to everything. So it's like, 
I think sometimes people become, you know, as women, we we are, you know, we want to be included. We want to feel like, we want to have that, like, I don't know, that feeling like we're friends with everybody. Like, I, I, I think that there is that aspect of it instead of taking a step back and going okay hold on a second do you like, really even want to do I go? really want to go do I really is that even like the you know what I'm saying like and I think social media has started to play a dynamic because we do try to like put these lives out there like look at me I'm so great I'm, I'm doing all these things well even with you know having kids and you know the parents who want to do exactly what your kids are doing because they're doing it, even if the kid even if the kid doesn't like the sport you know, it becomes like crazy. I have a, I have three girls and, you know, Molly has a daughter and two boys. Like I always think that it's really important to start to teach our children. And, and I try to do it with my daughter's inclusiveness in friendship early on. I'd love your thoughts on, on sort of navigating friendships at a young age, because one of the things that I have found, and it really bothers me, and I don't know why it bothers me, but it does is I find a lot of moms with the younger kids don't like to do more than a two-child play date. So I would say to somebody, hey, can so-and-so, is, are they free for a play date? No, she's busy. She already has a play date. When someone would say that to me and my child had a play date, I would say, you know what? Why don't you just drop her off? They can all play together. And there's just a mentality that some people think that one person's going to be left out. And I'm like, well, that's how you teach them how to be together together and inclusive. But threes aren't good, especially with girls. But they have to learn because they eventually are going to be together. So yeah. I would love your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, we would love. So the truth of that is the parent probably just doesn't want to have three kids that they have to deal with at once. God, they're like, <laughs> they don't, she doesn't do well. It really is like, they feel like they're, they're they get worried that their child's going to be left out. Like it becomes a thing. Mm, so I've this, had this conversations. more like a, a, an issue with the parents, like the right? parents' feelings of, oh, my child's going to feel left out. As, and, and that's your own feelings. And I think what happens as parents is that we kind of relive our childhoods a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so all of the things that we forgot about all of a sudden become heightened and triggered for us. And so when you are so worried that your child is going to feel left out, it's a time to think about, wait, is this bringing up some old feelings in me about being left out? Because your child is probably going to be fine with it. Yeah, I, I listen, I think a lot of parents feel like their kid is getting left out. That has been mm -hmm. really hard to navigate. And Michelle and I are both very inclusive people to a point. Like I'll be like- To a fault. To a fault. Like my husband won't even let me list. Like, <laughs> like I'll be like, okay, use this coach and then do this. And then all of a sudden I give all the information out and I can't, I can't even get with the coach anymore because they're all booked because I know yeah. it's a- it's a weird, but thing. yeah, I, I'm, I'm a person that I love to have people come and, and included. And I think that you teach that at a young age within friendships. You, yes, you can, but you also are teaching boundaries that if, if the kids are, are not wanting to have that other friend over, it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't like her. It doesn't mean they're not friends with her. It means I wanted to play with Jane today. That was what I wanted to do. And I made a play date to play with Jane and that's what I want to do. And now, you know, so-and-so wants to come, but actually we want some alone time. That's okay. Yeah. Scar I had this exact, and I totally got mad at her because 
Frankie wanted to play spa and one of them wanted to play family and she didn't want the three. She wanted to play family. She didn't want to play the spa and she really didn't want to have a play date with three people. But I'm like, ah, bring her over. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I'm learning. Right. And so, and so I think it's, it's so interesting because as we're talking about adult friendships and you're talking about what are you modeling for your kids and what are you showing your kids that I think you want to show them that you have all different kinds of friends. You're always kind. You're always kind to people. That's what you want to teach them is kindness, respect, you know, really, really making sure that you're you're delivering your messages with compassion, but that you can also hold your boundaries. And you can also say, I want this and it's okay that I want this. And it doesn't take away from you. Are you available for personal therapy? <laughs> <laughs> I know we're all coming off the holidays. I hope you guys were able to relax and spend time with family, maybe travel somewhere far away. And some of you might know we went to Disney. Oh yes, Disney World, which I'll admit was not my ideal way to spend a vacation. Although I'm very grateful I got to be with our family, my brother's family. I have to say we had a blast. I'm exhausted. All this to say, our airport experience was relatively smooth because I got to travel Oh, yes, I did with my new Bayes suitcase. You guys, I'm so obsessed with this. I'm obsessed with everything Bayes, but this new suitcase is amazing. I obviously had a 29, which is the largest. I actually have two, but who's counting? I love the black and the beige, but it comes in so many fun colors. This brand is on the top of everyone's list. It was created by actress Shay Mitchell, who is amazing in every way. In an effort to make something sleek and affordable, luggage and accessories designed to help you travel effortlessly. But the difference is you're going to travel effortlessly while still looking fashionable. And that's her key. They literally thought of everything when it comes to design. 360 degree gliding wheels, cushion handle, built-in weight indicator, washable bags for dirty clothes, which I am obsessed with, and all the interior pockets you need to keep very organized. Their luggage comes in multiple sizes, colors, shorter trips, definitely go for the weekender. It's super functional. It even has like a place to store your shoes separately if you are someone like me who likes to wear a different shoe with every outfit. Oh, well. Uh, the thing that I love that is that every piece is actually made to look better with the miles. So you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. Right now, I'm so excited. Base, it's pronounced base, B-E-I-S, is offering our listeners 15% off. You guys, this is big. 15% off your first purchase by visiting Base travel.com slash lipstick. That's base travel, B-E-I-S-T-R-A-V-E-L.com slash lipstick. That's base travel.com slash lipstick. God, does anyone else feel like they really need to reset post the holidays? I know I do. I have to say being at Disney did not help matters. I forgot to pack my armor colostrum with me and was excited to get back home and get back into my routine. Plus, there are so many people sick right now with COVID and flu and RSV. It's really time to prioritize our immunity. And that is one thing going into 2024, I'm going to take care of my immunity. With Armor Colostrum, I've definitely noticed my immune system getting stronger. I haven't gotten sick in a while. There are so many other amazing benefits. It reactivates hair growth, glowing skin, reducing inflammation, puffiness around your face and your neck. It fortifies your gut health. It ignites your metabolism. I mean, who doesn't want that? Honestly, when I take it, I feel less bloated. I just feel lighter. So how does it work and how does it help with all these things? 
Colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and contains all the essential nutrients our bodies need in order to thrive. Armor is a premium bovine colostrum concentrate, and unlike any other product on the market, it is wholly natural, sustainable, and was developed with the highest integrity from start to finish. It really is the most magical superfood I have found in a really, really long time. And to be clear, it's not a whole food or supplement. I take Armour Colostrum by mixing it only in cold liquids or foods, or you can dry scoop it into your mouth, which is great, a great thing for your oral microbiome. We've worked at a special offer here for our audience. Love you guys. Receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmour.com slash lipstick and your code lipstick to get 15% off your first order. That's tryarmour.com slash lipstick, T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A dot com slash lipstick. I want to go into the toxic friend. We've all had them. Can you define what a toxic friend is? Okay. So I really kind of chafe at that term a little bit because I think on social media, it seems like everybody calls everybody toxic. You know, Mm -hmm. this person didn't agree with me. So they're toxic. They're not toxic. They have Mm -hmm. a different opinion. (laughs) You know, this person didn't do the thing in the way that I wanted them to do it. They're toxic. And then everybody just likes it and says, yeah, they're toxic. You go girl. Right. And so this is like in, in maybe you should talk to someone in my book. I talk about the difference between idiot compassion and wise compassion. So idiot compassion is what we tend to do with our friends. It's like they say, listen to what my friend, my partner, my mom, my sibling did, you know, isn't it terrible? Aren't they wrong? And we say, yeah, you go girl. You know, it's like, you're right. They're wrong. You deserve better. They're toxic, whatever. And that is not helpful because it's kind of like if you listen to people who who are complaining about these things over and over, often you'll hear a pattern and they tend to go into kind of this victim mode instead of really reflecting on the situation. And I'm not saying that there aren't difficult people out there. You know, we always say before diagnosing someone with depression, make sure they aren't surrounded by assholes, right? So it's like there, <laughs> there are definitely difficult people out there, but then what is your response to them? And so wise compassion is what you tend to get in therapy and what you hopefully will get in a good friendship, a good solid friendship, which is where people will hold up a mirror to you and help you to see your role in the situation. So it's not just a blind, yeah, they're toxic. It's like, well, let's look at what's going on on both sides of this. So I think that that's really important. It's kind of like with with idiot compassion, we don't say to our friends, you know, if a fight breaks out in every bar you're going to, maybe it's you. So notice that your friend keeps coming to you and saying, look at what this person did. And it's like, look at what this other person did. And there's, they're always in the same situation. And we just blindly back up our friends. That is not helpful. So Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's really important that when we talk about, you know, a friend is toxic, what do we actually mean by that? Is this person a burden, meaning that they're always coming to you and they're just taking from you and taking from you and you don't have more to give them. Or they're always, come, we, call, we call these help rejecting complainers. They they come to you all the time wanting your advice and then you give them a, like all these different ways that they can solve this problem or maybe get to a better place with it and they won't take the advice. It's like, yeah, I can't do that because no, that won't work because and why are you coming to me for advice if you're never going to take it? So you might call them toxic. I would just say that is a person who somehow it is serving them to to complain about their situation without having any intention of changing it. 
So then you say, okay, what kind of boundary do I want to set with this person who's clearly struggling? So instead of calling them toxic, you might say, that person is really struggling. That person maybe could benefit from therapy. They're probably not going to get it because they enjoy, you know, complaining about these things. (laughs) They get something, not they enjoy it, but they get something out of it. And so if you set a boundary and say, you know what? I feel, I really feel, I, I hear that you're really suffering. I hear that this is really hard. I don't have any more advice to give. I really don't know what to do in this situation. People, but some of my friends, they get mad at me when I set a boundary. Like I had this one girl who I saw that she was had a bad relationship with her other friend. And it was so sad because they were both great girls. And finally this girl, like you could just see the pattern and the pattern. And she would just talk shit about people until one day, Everybody's at a holiday party and she thinks a few of the people have left and she's sitting there talking shit again. And the person was actually there. Finally, like a year later, she she comes up to me, she goes, I just don't understand why you don't like me. Literally said this, I go, because you talk shit about people. I'm just going to tell you, you talk shit. And when you stop talking shit about people, I will be your friend. And she just looked at me and she's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, right. But the thing is, you don't, right. And you don't have to wait a year. You know, if this person (laughs) is calling all the time, I mean, that's, that's the problem, I think. And that's where people get into a lot of, just a lot of pain they don't need to experience in friendships. It's just, if people could just be honest in a kind way, it's really helpful feedback. That's wise compassion would be to say, you know what? Every time I'm around you, I really, I really like you. But this one thing, when I'm around you, you're talking shit about people. And it just, it, it feels really negative to me. I just don't want to be around that. So if we can, if, if we can be around each other and, and not have that be a part of the friendship, I would love that. If, if not, that's okay too. And that's really useful information for that person. And they can decide like, no, talking shit is too important to me. It's part of how I interact with people. Great. You don't have to be, they don't have to be friends with you, but at least they know what's going on. And and I think that that's the problem is that so many people are just afraid. And so they tell their friends, this person is toxic, you know, and they, and then they go and talk shit about that person. They go, (laughs) you know, this person is, is like, you know, that person's so toxic instead of just telling the person, hey, when you do this, it bothers me. Yeah, I think toxic friendship to me, like a toxic friend is someone that tries to make you feel bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, I have a a girlfriend of mine who, you know, there was a mutual friend of ours that was just quite frankly, not being kind. Mm -hmm. And it was happening over and over again. And it was one of those things where, you know, it started to affect me as well. Because I don't, I I can't, I don't want to be around that. And when it was started, started to get directed at me as well. I'm like, that's that you're not kind. There's clearly something deeper going on. And it actually has nothing to do with either of us. And so, you know, my one friend pulled back and then I pulled back. And it was interesting because I I think to me, that's like the true definition of like a toxic friend in my book is there's someone that just wants to make you feel bad. Like them putting you down, like lifts them up somehow. It's like they're they're That's what they get out of the friendship. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of, you know, sometimes I think it's really hard for us to talk about, but there people are, friends can be envious of each other. Mm-hmm. They, they can really, there's a lot of times when friends do feel envy and they feel like it's so taboo 
to acknowledge that. And so then they acted out in these ways by, yeah, putting exactly. you down. And, and that's what I, that's what I deal with. That's it. what I, but that's I think what that I, instead of feeling like envy is, is, you know, we, we talk about feelings. There, there are no negative feelings. People say, oh, I don't want to be angry or I don't want to be, I don't want to feel envy. I always say, use your feelings like a compass. They tell you what you need in your life. Mm. They tell you what the next step is, what direction to go. And so I always say to people, follow your envy. It tells you what you want. So if you are feeling envy and we all feel it, so you don't have to feel ashamed of it. There's not one person in the world who has not felt envious of somebody else at some point in their lives, probably multiple times. So it's okay. We all feel it. It's normal. So then the question is, what is it telling me? Is it saying, oh, the thing that that person has going on in their life, I want something like that for me. And then you take steps toward getting whatever that is, whatever your version is. So it's not like you're copying their life. It's more like they seem to have, you know, a career that they like. So I need to figure out what that is for me. Or they seem to have a really great marriage. I really want to work on my marriage. Whatever it is, you say, this is what I'm going to do to get what is causing this envy to direct me to take proactive steps because I do have agency and I can change that. And dealing with it by ignoring it and then putting other people down is not changing anything in my life. Yeah, I think that's and that is exactly the root of it with, I think, this particular individual. And it's interesting because my girlfriend and I spoke about it. And we were like, I would help her. I would I would actually if this is what she wants, I would help her if she would have come to me. I would help her. I would help her. We would both help her. But it's just instead it's like putting us down was what lifted her up. So it was, you know, bye bye. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, just again, going back to the compassion, it's a defense mechanism. It's a way of not feeling something that feels awful. And we all do that. Like, have you ever just come home and you've had a bad day and then you started sort of like, you know, very short tempered with your family, right? I've never had that happen. I've never had that happen, Dr. Gottlieb, never. (laughs) Uh, and so so it's kind of like, you know, we don't want to feel something. And so feelings always come out in behaviors. They might come out in like too much food or not enough food, too much alcohol, short temperedness, insomnia. If we don't feel our feelings, they're going to come out in a behavior. So anytime someone acts in a way where you say, wow, that person's really being awful, you have to know that they're in a lot of pain right now. That doesn't mean you have to put up with it. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you have to just, you know, take it. But it means that, okay, I can have some compassion and I can be honest about the way that their behavior is affecting me and let them know. So what if you have the friends who they do not like confrontation? Because a lot of times, like when I was younger, I knew something was wrong with like a friendship or whatever, but I couldn't really tell. And then there was something wrong, right? They were either mad or upset or something happened, but like they would just act like everything was fine. Mm -hmm. Kind of what you said about the gaslighting. Yeah. I mean, I think that the problem is that we think of it as confrontation as opposed to connection and conversation, which is really what it is. And so we need to kind of just readjust in terms of how we think about it. We think, oh, if I tell this person that I'm upset with them, that's confrontation and I don't like confrontation. But actually, that's called relationship. (laughs) It's called closeness. It's called connection. And that's when you're able to say to someone, hey, I didn't like when that happened. Um, you know, and, and that really hurt my feelings. Can we, can we talk about that? And that repairs. So it's, you know, there's a thing called rupture and repair that we talk about in romantic relationships, but it's also in parental relationships with your children. It's also in friendships, which is there are always going to be ruptures. There are always going to be ruptures. You're going to 
unwittingly or even on purpose hurt somebody in a moment and not your finest moment. We all have those moments. And then the question is not just, are you going to have a rupture, but how are you going to repair it? Because you will have a rupture. And what people found about marriage, and this is true in friendship too, is that it's the repair that matters. It's not about whether you have a rupture because you will. It's about how do you repair it? So if you go to your friend and your friend says, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not upset with you. Nothing. There's nothing there. You can say to your friend, hey, it, okay, it feels different to me. You know, if there is something, I want you to know that it won't upset me. It will actually make me feel closer to you. And if I did do something and I hurt you, I would, I would want the opportunity to, to apologize. So it'd be great if you can tell me. But if not, that's okay too. Just know that I'm here if you ever want to talk about it. I think the fact that like you want to communicate and, and have that conversation shows how much you care about a person. Because mm. I think that if you don't do it, that means, and not to say that some people, just to your point, Dr. Gottlieb, is you can maybe be nervous or afraid to do it. But that to me is like, I love you enough and I value our friendship enough to want to work on it and and communicate so that we can keep growing. Because- it would be a lot easier to be like, I'm going to walk away and eh, it's not worth it anymore. But true, it's like a marriage. Like you're not walking away from, it. you're going to communicate and work on it and, and fix it, right? So I think that is, it's very hard and it's humbling, I think, and embarrassing maybe to be like, you hurt my feelings because you might feel like a little, I don't know, it, it can come across as whiny sometimes, I mm-hmm. think. Like might maybe like, because that person might maybe just has a completely different attitude or outlook or perception on things. But I mean, I know I've been there. I'm, I'm a very over-communicative individual, <laughs> but, but I am. I, I will, if something's, if something's wrong, I'll be like, are you okay? What's wrong? These are the Chanel tights that you need. They're fake. I know we're in a fight and we're not speaking, but you need them. <laughs> <laughs> but I am. I'm a communicator. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I, mean, I really hard. agree. That it's really hard. hard. You know, what you're saying to the person is, I really care about you. So it's not an accusation. It's not you hurt me and now I demand an apology. Yeah. It's, hey, this thing happened between us. I don't want anything to kind of be there between yeah. us that kind of sits there unsaid. So I'm just bringing this up. I just want to talk it through with you. I don't want to make a big deal about it. Just, you know, I think this mm-hmm. will, it's because I care so much about our relationship and I just want to make sure that we talk about things when they come up. And if anything ever comes up for you, I hope you'll talk to me about it too. It's very vulnerable. And I think it's something that a lot of women maybe are afraid to, or, and I know I have done it. I've done it as recently in the last year, been very vulnerable in friendships and said, you know, this upset me. It's like people sometimes don't know how to communicate and they don't Clearly. know how to, how to, they don't know what the right and appropriate responses are and how to handle situations. And I think sometimes our expectations don't match their capacity, maybe. I yes. don't know. Yes, that's exactly it. And also, I think we make so many assumptions about why the other person did what they did. And usually the assumption is they don't care enough. You're making all kinds of assumptions about why they did that, but you actually don't know. And if you had a conversation with them about it, you might learn something different. And I think that that's, I think if there's any one big takeaway about friendship, it's that you don't know what's going on in another person's mind or heart. That I agree. And, yeah. and if you don't ask, you'll never know. Yeah. I love you, Lori. Yeah. Look, you're really. Okay. God. Can I call you every day? I'm to call you every day. Speed dial. Speed dial. You'll be on my favorites. <laughs> okay. We do a little rapid fire just because we have fun on Lipstick on the Rim. Do you text? Do you call FaceTime? 
Oh, wow. It totally depends with whom. <laughs> I'm like a therapist. I have no, I have no solid answer for you. It depends. <laughs> it depends. I, it depends. I want to know what is your ultimate guilty pleasure? I'm terrible at rapid fire because like, I don't feel guilty for having pleasure. Oh my God. I love it. Okay. Like, pleasure. Why should we feel guilty? Why shouldn't we just enjoy? You That's the whole point of pleasure. My mother what? passed away a few years ago, but she always says like guilt doesn't exist. It's how you feel about it. It's like you're, it's, it's, you're putting it on your own self. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I would, I would take issue with that. I would say guilt is really useful because it tells you that you, that you acted in a way that's not consistent with your values. And that's mm-hmm. really important. If you don't feel guilt, you're, you're kind of a sociopath. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, we, we feel guilt when we say, oh, I did something that goes against my inner compass of what I feel is right. That's good because then you can make a repair. Mm-hmm. But in terms of pleasure, I don't, I don't feel like you should feel guilty about that. That's the point of pleasure. What's your favorite pleasurable thing to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many things. Wow. Everything from going hiking to reading a great book to sleeping to hanging out with friends to traveling. I mean, anything, all the usual things. But I don't feel guilty about doing that. Are you a morning person or a night person? Oh, definitely a night person. Oh, oh wow. I would not have thought that. Coffee or tea? Tea. I wouldn't have thought that either. I don't favorite cocktail. Anything that's sweet, because I don't love the taste of alcohol, so I mask it. <laughs> what can we see from you next? Are you writing another book? Continuing yes. with the Atlantic. So um I am writing another book. So people can get maybe you should talk to someone where I follow the lives of four different patients. And then you see me going to my own therapist. I'm writing another book where I take people back into the therapy room. And I'm very excited about that. I just finished a workbook where people can kind of rewrite their stories and it takes them kind of step-by-step through what they would experience in the therapy room. My podcast, Dear Therapist, we just finished season four. If you haven't listened, you can go back and binge. And Mm -hmm. my Atlanta column, of course, is always coming out with new ones. So good. We ask every guest before they go, if you could give advice to your 10-year-old self, what would it be? What would Lori say to her 10-year-old self? It would be to be kinder to myself. So I think that so much of the time we have this voice in our head and we are so unkind to ourselves. We're always like I I had a I had a therapy client who she was saying, you know, that I, I just saw how self-critical she was and she didn't believe me. And I said, listen, I want you to go home and I want you to listen to how you talk to yourself. And I want you to write down everything you say in the course of this week and come back and we'll talk about it. And she came back next week and she was, she couldn't even speak. She was like crying. And she said, I can't believe I am such a bully to myself. And mm-hmm. there were things like she passed her reflection as she was walking down the street and she said, you look terrible today. Or she was typing an email and she made a typo and she said, you're so stupid. This is what she said to herself. We would never say this to our friends or anyone we cared mm-hmm. about because it's not true. Yeah. So I think if I could go back and I'm guilty of that too. So I would say if we could go back, you know, any of us or even just in the present, think about how you talk to yourself because there's no reason that we need to, you know, kind of verbally abuse ourselves all day long. It's very good advice. Yeah, it's so true. You're amazing. Maybe you should talk to someone. Lori Gottlieb, go get it. Go listen to everything. We're going to have everything in the show notes in case you need to know where to go. Her Instagram is Lori Gottlieb underscore author on Instagram. You're amazing. We have to have you back. 
Well, thank you so much for the conversation. I loved it. Thank you. We loved it. It was awesome. Love you. I love you. You guys, we'll see you next week. No toxicity here. No toxicity (laughs) here. Thanks for listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims and my ride or die, Amisha Gormley. We are always so excited to bring you guys along on this journey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at Lipstick on the Rim or my website where we just dive a little bit deeper into my favorite products, trends, and much, much more on mollysims.com. This podcast is a production with Dear Media. A special thanks to my team, Elizabeth Tawfield, Schaefer Carrillo, Ken Ryan, and Anna Sessions and everyone at Dear Media. Don't forget to listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss out on the fun. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.